the greatest present we can receive is the presence of the Lord, is that God has shown up. He has made himself known to us in ways and continue to make himself known to us. As I was meditating upon this, I began to think again concerning creation. It is always good to go back to creation, go back to the beginnings. And we're going to go back to that here in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, tonight we're going to focus on these particular verses that follow that. We mentioned the beginning is not the beginning as we know beginnings to be. What it says, in the beginning, it is before there was time, before time was, before there was a beginning. It's that God preexisted. God is eternal. And he, will all, he is and he will always be. So in the beginning, God, so that God brought into creation those things that were made. He created the heavens. And I like the way the scripture put it. It didn't say just heaven as we would think, but the heavens and the earth. But here's the night. The earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the earth. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning was day. Now listen to what he says. He says, when he created out of nothing, we understand when God created the heavens and the earth, he created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. But when he created the heavens and the earth, the scripture says that which he had created was without form and without void. We're going to talk about that, taking form and filling the void. Because God didn't just create things to be uh, without meaning, things that he created. He wanted to give them significance. His objective was to develop those things that he had, in fact, created. So then he begins to talk about the substance in which things were made from after bringing those things into being. Then we begin to see the work of God uh, uh, molding and fashioning that, that which he had in fact, brought into being. But then it says that the Spirit of the Lord, or the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters, uh, which God had also made. And then God said, let there be light. God uh, uh, caused light to be. And then he separated the light from the darkness. He separated the light from the darkness. Now, when we talk about darkness, when he talks about void, I believe that one reference to void is darkness. Darkness. You understand this whole thing of meaninglessness, helplessness, hopelessness, void, not having significance, not having meaning, any direction. That which is void of meaning. 
So it says that darkness was on the face of the deep, on the face of the deep. The depth of that darkness, or uh, that darkness was without measure. It was on the face of the deep. But yet the Spirit of the Lord, God's Spirit, hovered over the face of the waters. And when God spoke, he began to bring form. First of all, dividing, taking the light out of the darkness. He brought the light out of the darkness. When his light, he divided the darkness, he brought the light out of the darkness. So there was a distinction made, a division made between the darkness and the light. And he called uh, the light day, and he called the darkness, he called it night. So let's look at form for a moment. Let's just focus in on form. He said it was without form. What do we mean by form? Let's begin to look at what we mean. Form has to do with the visible shape or configuration of, of something. We understand it has to have a shape. It was without shape. It was without, there was, it has to be no configuration. And understand, we talk about form, it is a particular way in which a thing exists or appears. Because when you talk about a form, we see it. That's something that's visible. We see the form. Uh, another way, and if you listen to the other teaching, talk about how Christ was the manifestation of the person of God, I would say that form is manifestation because here something has appeared to us when we talk about form. Now, all of this has to do with form. When something has form, then we begin to see its shape. We begin to see its substance. We begin to, it is brought visib visibly before us. This is form. And, and, and uh, 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 we see in the scripture where it speaks of form, he says that man, after he made man, he said he formed man out of the dust of the ground. He formed him out of the dust of the ground. I can see a picture of God taking dust. First of all, he had to make the dust. The dust didn't just appear. He made the dust. But then God took the dust that he had made, and he formed it into the shape of a man. Now, mind you, look at this. God formed the dust into the shape of a man. So even after forming man so that he was in the shape in which God would have him to be in, he still was lifeless even though he had form. Even though he was formed, he still was lifeless. So form in of itself is not sufficient enough. It's not enough. So God had to breathe into man's nostrils the breath of life in order for the form to be given, to be able or capable of giving expression to its purpose and intent. So this is what God says. We talk about form. So we begin to look at this thing of form again. He, he is talking about he formed him. Uh, man formed him. Now we begin to see how God continues to form us or to conform us. We look at conform has to do with form. He puts a picture of that which is perfect. And he puts it before man, and this is Jesus Christ, and what his objective is, is to bring man into a place after he has formed him, after he has breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, then his objective is to conform him. 
is to conform him because now he has, uh, uh, as we begin to look at it, I, I, you know, when people begin to make dresses or whatever, there's a pattern. There's a pattern that is established, and that pattern is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, now my objective is to work on your life so that you look like this. That's God's objective. He says, I'm, I'm not, my job is not complete. I formed you, but now my objective is to conform you into the image of my dear son. Now, we'll talk more about that later on, but let's look at the rest of this creation so I won't get ahead of myself. He says that the earth was without form and it was void. It was void. Now, now that's another important word. When we come to a place of looking at void, void has to do with completely empty. A completely empty space, just space. A completely empty space. That's what void is. It, it, no substance, no content, just space. That's what void is, just space. Can you imagine that? As far as you could see or travel or could imagine, nothing but space. So he says, so the earth was without form, but the earth was also void. So in other words, that space was not occupied. That space was, you see, there was nothing occupying the space that had been made or that had been created. But when God makes space, he makes space so that space may be filled. His objective in making, in other words, he's making room so that he can fill that which he has made space for. So when there is a void within our lives, God's objective is to one day fill it. But he want to fill it with substance, not with what you want to fill it with. He says, I want to fill the void within your life. So it was with a void. Now, when we talk about void again, uh, I begin to look at it this way too. We, that word void also has to do with not valid. It is not valid or legally binding because you understand when you are dealing with documents, whatever, and you void out a contract. You void out a contract. What are you really saying when you void a contract out? You say, well, this contract is not legally binding. Why? Because you void it out. You said, so now it cannot, you cannot use this in a court of law because it is null and void. That's what you void out. So, so now he is really saying something about the earth was without form of void. In other words, so the earth at that particular time, it, it did not, it, you, you begin to see it, it, it was there, but it was as if it wasn't there because it was void. But, but then what God did, we still see him, ex uh, nihilio, nihilio, where he makes something, he creates something out of nothing. That which is void, God begins to make out of nothing. So now he made something, but still that something was nothing because it was void. But I would, so look at what he's saying here. In other words, God makes space. There would be no space without God. There would be no empty spaces without God. So God made space that he may fill it. So, so now, uh, uh, now we begin to take this within the context of what God did. Now I'm going to deal with a pr prophet one prophet in particular was a prophet, uh, Jeremiah, and what God said concerning Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 and 5, he says, before I formed you, before I formed you. 
Now, now what are you saying here? Now, now God who uh, knows the end, the beginning, God is saying, before I put you in shape, before I actually began to mold you into shape. Now, when we talk about form in this particular instance, you understand we look at the embryo. We look at a, a child that's within uh, the mother's womb. He's saying that he, you, you, are, you are made, you are intricately made, you see. You're wonderfully and, 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 and mysteriously made. He says, I made you. I begin to give you. I gave you eyes and ears and, and hands and feet and all. He says, but before that, before you were formed within the mother's womb, he says, I knew you. Now, wait a minute. I know you. When he says, I knew you, he is saying, I have full knowledge of all that was in the process of being developed. I had full knowledge of what you were yet to come before I formed you. I knew you. Before, then he says, before you came out of your mother's womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. So I'm using that scripture so you understand something of form. How God, when he forms, we understand the void. He says, I, 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 I'm the one that made the void, but I'm the one that first of all created the form. So when the form was created and the void was there. Now, now I'm thinking about something here. And we look at empty spaces now. What are we filling our lives with? And what does God desire to fill our lives with. He says, before I formed you, I knew you, and I knew what, it, what I wanted to fill you with. I knew what I wanted to fill you with before I formed you. He says, I knew you. This is what it takes for your life to be, for you to be fulfilled. For you to be fulfilled, then the content that I have made available for you are the things that will bring you to the place of fulfillment. You will not find your fulfillment in any other area other than that which I have desired to, to, to fill you with. Because you look at the word fill and fulfill. When we are filled, what are you filled with? What are you filled with? The things that you're full of, do they produce fulfillment? Do they produce fulfillment? You see, because you can fill your life with a whole lot of activity, a lot of other things, but does it really produce fulfillment? So he says, but before I formed you, I knew you. I knew what it took in order for you to be fulfilled because your call, I have ordained you to be a prophet. This is the direction that your life ought to go. Whether you go there or not, this is the direction that I have beforehand ordained for your life to go. And, and that's what many people do. They find themselves fighting against themselves because they're trying to make something out of life on their own. And God is saying that. He said, let me, let me fill you with what I desire to fill you with. Now, understand this. He fills us with his spirit because we mentioned, we mentioned early on that we look at the prototype. We look at the prototype. We look at the model. We look at the, uh, the pattern that God's objective is for us to look like Christ. But there is an expression of Christ that ought to come forth through each and every one of us. 
God is saying. He said, that part of me, that expression of Christ, that your life ought to give expression, he said, you will not find fulfillment in any other thing. He says, but this is the thing that will bring fulfillment. And, you know, we fought it. I, I know I did. Fought it for a number of years. You fight against, you fight against your calling. You fight against, I fought against the thing that God would have me to do. And, and, and here's what, and, and oftentimes, as I mentioned the other day, you're running away from yourself. Running away from God is really running away from yourself, running away from your calling. Because God is saying, this is the way I want you to go, but people want to go a different way. He says, so now... What God is saying here, he says, I've ordained you. I've set, I, I, I've already set the compass for your life. You're to go true north. And you say, well, I don't want to go true north because I have a better idea. God says, well, you're running into frustration. But you don't even understand why that frustration is there. It's there because you're trying to do something God ain't really told you to do. You're trying to be something that God has not told you to be. To become. I knew you before you were formed. And if I formed you, you see, all of this has to do with acknowledging God as being God. That's what we're talking about. It's acknowledging Him as being God. When we acknowledge Him as being God, God means that we, He is sovereign. He is, He's the one that has full knowledge. If He created all things, the God who created all things has knowledge of me. But I'm a little bitty something. So if he has all this knowledge, then that's a small thing for him to have knowledge of me. But understand what God is saying. He is saying that these are the things that will bring fulfillment to your life. Now, I, I'm going to give you some more scriptures here. This Bible study tonight. Here in Isaiah 43 and verse 1, he says, this is another form. This is Jacob now. But now, Jacob, he, he also formed Jacob. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Now, watch what he's saying. Look at the two names. He called him, O Jacob, trickster. He says, now, now, thus says, this is the Lord who created you. I created you, and what happens, you were created, O Jacob. You became Jacob on your own. You became Jacob just by being who you were apart from my giving you full direction. I was there with you, O Jacob. I was there blessing you, O Jacob. Understand, I was overseeing your life, O Jacob. Everything that you've done, everything you're doing, I was right there overseeing. Why? Because I saw Israel in you. I saw Israel in you. You see, God says... I had already seen what you were yet to become, O Jacob. He says, so now, listen to what I'm saying. I'm showing you what I'm doing. He says, so, uh, he said, the Lord created you, O Jacob. I created you, Jacob, but when I formed you, I formed you to becoming Israel. You see, the formation of Jacob is to become Israel. That's how God works. He says, this is who you are right now, but this is who you are yet to become. He says, so I'm showing you your future. He says, so now, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid, for I have redeemed you. Look at redemption here. He said, the key to it all is redemption. He said, I've redeemed you. He said, but you, you're going to cross the threshold of death into life. He says, for I've redeemed you. And he says, and I have called you 
by your name. Now, you saw that already. I called you trickster when you were a trickster, but then I prophesied to you and called you Israel. He said, so now I've called you by your name because you belong to me. You're mine. This is who you are. You belong to me. You're mine. Now, I, I, I'm saying all of this, and you up for something. We're going to go back to Genesis, uh, and we're going to bring all of this. I want you to see God's forming, how he forms, and how he, how he feels, and how he creates based on Scripture. But then we go back to the Scripture again, where it says, in the beginning, God created, you see, the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form of void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. God said. Now, let's read that in a different light. We did this Sunday here in John chapter 1 and verse 1. Now we are dealing with it through prophetic lenses. You see, first of all, we begin to see the actual creation. But now we're going to see it through prophetic lenses because now we're bringing Christ on the scene. Now, now I want you to see something here. This is Jesus Christ. This is Christ on the scene. Now, we're going to show where Jesus is the Christ. But let's look at Christ on the scene. He says, now in the beginning was the Word, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was, nothing was made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, if you take that same Scripture and begin to compare it to what took place in the creation, you begin to see that it's the, He is the same in the Old Testament as He is in the New Testament. Because we begin to see in the beginning, in the beginning it says, was the Word, was the Word. But yet, you did not see the form of the Word. You did not see the form of the Word. You did not see the shape or the fashioning of the Word. Are you still with me? What, what form is that Word yet to take? But yet, that Word existed before the beginning. And, and, and to be very candid with you, this is the Christ. Christ existed before creation. This is the Christ. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, Christ was with, you see, Christ was with the Father. The Word was the Father, with the Father, and the Word was, Christ was the Father. And He was in the beginning with God. He was in the beginning with God. And then it says, look at Christ now. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. That's Christ. And in him was life, and the life was the light. Listen to this now. He says, let there be light. There Christ is. There Christ is. Let there be light. He said, the life was the light of men. He says, so now we begin to see that same light now. Let there be light. Separating the darkness from the light, we begin to see now that light personified. Now we begin to see the Christ, you see. We begin to see the form. What is the form? The form now, he is the Christ, but now we begin to see the form of, uh, of, of God, the form of Christ in the person. Now is not just the Christ, but Jesus, who is the Christ. Now, 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 listen to what I'm saying here. There was a time, you see, there was a time when Jesus Christ was born. 
Jesus had to be born. You know, unto us child is born and the son is given. But the son is Christ. The son of God, we begin to see Christ, but now we begin to see Jesus as the Christ, the full, the spirit of Christ personified in the person of Jesus. So now, now we begin to see this is why 1 John chapter 1 sounds a little different than Genesis chapter 1, but you begin to see the parallel between the two because he says, now we begin to see all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And it says, in him was life. Let there be light. He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and that life was the light of men. So now we see the personification. We see the personification. Now, when that which was from creation, and we begin to see how all the creation was affected by it, now we begin to see the personification of that as it would affect the personhood of man. Because he says, now we're going to put it to the test in relation to humanity. You see, the same, the same principles, nothing has shifted, nothing has changed. He says, now in him was a life, and the life was the light of men. So his objective from the beginning, when he says, let us form man in our own image after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the, uh, all creation, it was the same idea. He said, this is what we're talking about. He said, the way this is going to take place, it has to take place as a result of the life of God actually being given expression. But that life of God must come through by, first of all, the pattern must be established. And that pattern that would be established is Jesus Christ himself. He says, in him was life, and the life, when we see the personification of Christ, Jesus now being the personification of Christ, he came in human flesh in order to bring light to men. That's his whole objective, to bring light to men. He says, so now when God says, let there be light, what is he speaking of? We see the light as it shines in darkness in relation to the environment. But now he's talking about the light that is to shine forth through his creation, through his, his created, the person that he's created, that he's given dominion over. He says, now, he says, let that light, he says, so the light was, uh, the life was the light, that light was to shine, and as he says, let there be light. That light was traveling at the speed of light. It was to continue to spread out. He says, so let there be light, light. He'd have to say it three or four times. He said at one time, let there be light, and there was light. Now, the same thing applies. He says, let there be light. Now, watch what he says. When he enlightens us, when that light shines in us, that light ought to do the same thing. It ought to permeate so that that light becomes, you, you see, it's, it's the, that life, rather, becomes the light of men. He says, and that light shines, what? In the darkness. We mentioned that, that he separates the light from the darkness, but that light must shine forth from, through the darkness to separate it. In other words, 
God gives us the assignment to actually bring light to the darkness that's in the world today. Now, we, we may try it all kind of the way. We just had an election. And you say, well, what, what will bring us to the place of having life? We can't rely on any of that stuff. You see, we, we're in the world. We're not of the world. But the thing that's going to make the difference in the world today is that we got to let our light shine. Our light must shine because the only way you change the darkness, that the, the crime, and all the there has to be some light somewhere. So the light shines in darkness. He puts us in a dark environment. He puts us among those who are in darkness. He says, and he says, but the darkness cannot comprehend that light. In other words, comprehend. He, he, he can't figure it out. It, it doesn't in his, in his mind. He, his, his thought life actually rejects it because it doesn't fit into a psyche. So he says, but he could not figure it out. So when you cannot figure it out, oftentimes uh, it's rejected. For the most part, it's rejected. Can you accept what you can't figure out? Can you accept what you can't figure out? That's one of the biggest challenges are right there. Can you accept what you can figure out? If you can't figure it out, in some kind of way, if we can scientifically explain it, then we can accept it. But suppose, suppose this thing is so big, so great, that you can't explain it scientifically. Can you accept? That's what faith is. Faith is not our ability to explain creation. Faith is believing that God made all things. And then that's our starting point. Then we go back and research and analyze what we've already agreed upon is that God is the creator of all things. If we can't agree upon that, then all of your experiments and all your exploratory science Efforts are in vain. So he says, now, look at this darkness, darkness within uh, our environment and what God is desiring to do is to bring light in the midst of darkness. And you realize that's a big, that's a tall order. That's, that's why I know that this is one of the, I would say, one of the, this is the most rewarding job in the world during the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's the most challenging job in the world because even those that think themselves to have been enlightened are not as enlightened as they think they are. Many, I would put it this way, many who think they're enlightened. In fact, I would say all of us that God is yet to enlighten us. There's some things that we're yet to learn, but the question is, will you be willing to accept what you cannot comprehend? Will you be willing to engage in activities that's beyond your, your intellect or your, own, your pay grade. So here's what happens to say that God, let God be God. And if God said, let that be sufficient enough. And, and, and let's go on because I want you to see this. Because here's what happens. Look at what he's really saying. He is saying that the form is there, but there's no life. You know, the, the Bible says they have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof, you see. And, and I would venture to say that oftentimes this is where people settle for, they settle for form. They settle for form, but they don't go far enough in order to receive the life. And what we want you to do is get the life, the life of Christ. 
because he has to breathe life into us, the Spirit of Christ. You see, when the Spirit of Christ, when the Spirit of Christ is energizing us, it's not a matter of us trying to get you to do anything because the Spirit of Christ will lead you and guide you into all truth. That's one of the things the Spirit of Christ does. He leads us. You see, He leads us. In other words, we're not our own anymore. When God leads us, we are where He wants us to be. We go where He wants us to go, when He wants us to, when he wants us to go there, and how He wants us to go there, because He then superintends our lives. He gives direction to our entire lives. That's what the Holy Spirit is guiding. But we can tell He's absent when we still have control. When we can do it, when we have the option or the right to decide on our own, then the Spirit steps back and let us have it. But if the Spirit is leading, then what happens, there are things that you wouldn't otherwise do, but you'll find yourself doing. And there are things that you uh, would not do that you would be doing otherwise. But here, the Spirit, he says, because this is what it says here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. He, uh, I said, uh, Ephesians 2, rather, verse 1, it says, he says, and you he have made alive. There's life in you. We mentioned he's breathed the breath of life in you. He says, but he made you alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins. This is where you used to be, dead. And, and, and I would venture to say, speaking to a church of Ephesus, but understand he's talking to those who have received the life of Jesus Christ. He says, you were dead in trespasses and sins, but the reason that he made you alive is because he see you as Israel and not as Jacob. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. He said, this is where you once walked. Now, walk has been behavior. Your behavior once was of such that you followed the dictates of your own heart, but your heart had not been changed. So therefore, the enemy, the devil, could manipulate you, and you would be willing to go in any direction he'd have you to go. He said, this is how you once walked. That's how you can, that's how you can tell the difference. He said, this is where you used to be. He said, but now you've changed. He said, you walked this way. You were the, you were the, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. It says, and the spirit that operates within you was the spirit which now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, listen to this. Now, how can that person be disobedient lest there had been a, a line drawn between what they might be, they might have been doing and what God would have them to do? And say, on this side is disobedience, on this side is obedience. He draws the line of demarcation, and he says, now how can your obedience be proven and tested because you're willing to do what I've called you to do. You're willing to go where I've called you to go. You're willing to, you're willing to participate with me in the things that I'm doing. That's what he is really saying here. He, you once walked uh, the works of the sons of disobedience among whom we all were there once upon a time. We conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby nature, children of wrath, just as the others. When he says children of wrath, there are consequences. There are consequences. The wrath of God. 
the wrath of God. You see, those who are sons of disobedience will receive the consequences and the penalty that's due to their father. You see, the father of disobedience. If you're the sons of disobedience, the father of disobedience, who is that? Rebellion is the devil himself. Your children, when, when you, you see, that's how clear, that's why the Spirit of God is so necessary. And, and that's why we have to always ask, when we find ourselves, uh, uh, first of all, do, are we filled with the Spirit? Have we been born again, saved by the Spirit? Are we filled with the Spirit? And we ask God, Lord, fill me afresh. I want to be in a place where the, the Spirit is leading me and the Spirit is guiding me into all truth. So he said, by nature this way, I won't read the rest of it. So what Christ does, he fills all the empty spaces within our lives. That's what Christ, Christ comes in. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ comes in to fill all those empty spaces. You see, in other words, the reason you do the things you do, the reason we do the things we do, the reason we act the way we act, they say when we find ourselves doing those things that God said do not do, is because there's an empty space there. There's an empty space there. There's emptiness within, there's an empty space. And what are you doing? You're filling it rather than letting God fill it. You see, he went on to say in, in the same ch uh, chapter down to verse uh, 12, he says that at that time you were without Christ. We mentioned the Spirit. At that time you were without Christ. You didn't have Christ. You see, you were without Christ. You're being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. That's that's where you once were. You were without Christ. And you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. Now we're talking about, we're, we're speaking covenantally. We're speaking covenantally. We're saying you were without covenant. We're not talking about our, our bloodline. That, that's the argument today. Are we of the bloodline of, of, of uh, Abraham? But no, are you of the faith of Abraham is what we're talking about. Are you, are you a part of the same covenant? Have you covenant, are you in covenant with God? He says, so, he says, as a result of that, having no hope and without God in the world, he says, that's where you were. But now in, and he brings in, now in Christ, and watch what he does. He puts Jesus in the picture. Beforehand, it says, you were without Christ. But then he brings in Jesus, who is the Bible. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Now in Christ, the Spirit, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was uh, God. We begin to see that which is before the beginning, the Spirit of Christ that created all things. But now we see Jesus coming on the scene who came in the fullness of time. Jesus hadn't come yet. But now when you put Christ and Jesus together, Christ Jesus, he said it took that. It took the Spirit of Christ personified. We have to see him now embodied, the embodiment of the Spirit of Christ. He said, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been near, how? By the blood now he said Jesus Christ, but now he says because once incarnation has occurred, it will always be Christ Jesus. <laughs> it 
It will always. You see, there was a time when Jesus was not. Christ has always been, but there was a time when Jesus was not. You cannot find Jesus in the Old Testament, but you can find Christ all through the Old Testament. But what happens when you put Jesus and Christ together? Jesus, unto us a child is born in time, and unto us the Son of God in eternity was given. You put those two together, now you have what? Jesus the Christ. I want you to see this. Now we see Jesus Christ. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, watch what happened. This is where it used to be. You were trying to hold life together. You were trying to fit your life with that which would be fulfilling. But understand, and, but all of that, you were still afar off. But now you're brought near because when Jesus bled, Christ bled. When Jesus died, Christ died. Are you saying this? Because once he was incarnated, once incarnation took place, he can never be unincarnated. So now, sitting in heaven is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus the Christ. So now we see a man sitting up there with holes in his hands, with, uh, with marks in his eyes, representing his earthly journey, the things he went through on behalf of all of us. But now, he says, his blood, the blood, because Christ couldn't bleed. But when Christ came and when he was, when he came into Jesus in his fullness, into the body of Jesus, then he could bleed. So now God could bleed. God could bleed. So now with that, he said, it is the blood of Jesus that brought you near. Put it this way, it was the blood of God. It was God's blood that was shed because the Spirit of God in Christ Jesus, he bled and he died for us. So now, look at what he is saying here. The Bible helps us to see this. In, in John again, we go, St. John 1, 18, he says, no one has seen God at any time. No one has seen God at any time. You've never seen God at any time. No one has ever seen God. We're talking about God as Father. No one has seen God at any time. No one has seen the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit visibly at any time. No one has seen Christ as Christ at any time. We've seen where he has embodied himself in, in, in various times. We can see the, the, the times, the pre-incarnate Christ, where Christ would show up at various times in various ways. But no one has seen all there was to see of Christ at any time. He says, but the only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. In other words, he has manifested him. He has made him known. So when Jesus the Christ shows up, he said, no one is seeing God. Now we see him. He has made all that's contained within God known, but it was one body.
He was embodied. All of Christ, all, you see, when he shows up, God shows up. Wherever he went, God went. He said, now you begin to see him as he is. Now, you got enough tonight? Or should I quit here? Okay, I, I, I'll just give you one more scripture, and, and we'll, we'll quit here. First John. See, I'm still dealing with beginnings here. We're dealing with beginnings. Uh, uh, first of all, it said, it said something about, before we get to that, if you go down to the fourth chapter, First John, and verse 12 and 14, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one, if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So now the spirit of Christ dwells in you. That spirit of Christ dwells in your spirit that was is personified in the person of Jesus. It now dwells in you. So now what happens, he begins to show Christ in you and through you, through love. But if you go to the first chapter, that's where I was headed, but I had to put that in there. First uh, John chapter 1, that which was, go back to the beginning, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now listen to what he's saying here. He is saying, that which was from the beginning. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That which was, now that which was from the, the content, the substance that was from the beginning. He said, now which we have heard, but now he says, but now we have seen our eyes. Now he allows us to gaze upon that which we heard about. That's why he came to his own. His own could not comprehend because they were looking upon the one they read about. And that's the same thing. They, you see, they were relying upon the law and the prophets. But when they saw the fulfillment of the laws and prophets, they rejected. As it is when the word comes forth, then it really proves as to where we really stand. It says, they heard it, they see with their eyes. When they looked upon, they gave, they looked upon, they gave it. He said, but he looked, they looked at it curiously. They gazed upon him. They said, we're trying to figure him out. And then he says, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He said, that life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard. He said, here's our job. We declare unto you. So what happens, in other words, the Spirit of Christ is being declared to you today. The Spirit of Christ, the very Spirit is in His message. The very Spirit of Christ. So what do we do? We are receiving from the anointing that we may be anointed. Is that making any sense to you? We're receiving from the anointing that we may be anointed. What happens as we take in what God is saying, then we become that which we've heard. And the anointing of God works on us as it works in Jesus Christ. So, so if you don't take it in and you try to handle it, you say, well, what happens? I want it to work for me rather than work in me. It don't work this way. 
He said it was a personification of the Word, Jesus Christ. You see, because Christ died, because now we see the Word dying on our behalf to bring us into that relationship. And we come into that relationship, we have to come in, 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 we have to come in full range. We have to come all together in. You can't be half in and half out. You come all the way in if that is to work through you. He says, so now what happens, look at it. He said that life was made. We have seen it. We bear witness. And now we declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested, first of all, to us, that, we may, that, that we've heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. So we invite others in the relationship that we've already entered into. Now, you talk about how this church supposed to grow. How, how do we supposed to evangelize? How do we suppose to witness? You see that? How do we suppose, how do we suppose to reach the world? It is, first of all, by receiving. By receiving. And then that which we've received, then it, it, it is manifested through us so that it begins to uh, uh, people begin to take not just our words, but they begin to see his life in us. We mentioned about love. He says, he says now, that which sort of, if we love one another, that's how that love is in a bar abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He says, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. We come into true koinonia. We come into true koinonia. When we come into true koinonia, understand what has occurred now. It is the life of Jesus Christ operating through us. It is Jesus Christ working through. It is the man, Jesus Christ, working through us. The man, Jesus Christ, working through us. So now, that which is of Jesus now is manifesting through his body. He says, so now, that which Jesus Christ did, he says, when he said, greater work shall you do than these, because I go to the Father. Now, now, you see how easy this is? He said, now, I want to do, he said, you're going to do what I did, but you're going to do works, because now, not greater in quality, but greater in quantity. Because now, what have I done? That which is in me, I declare unto you. Now, I'm declaring unto you, so that you may declare unto others, so that they may declare unto others. Now watch what happens. So now we begin to see the exponential effect or growth of the Word of God. Those who receive it, those who receive it are declaring it to others, to others, to others. Now we have a, a, a large number of witnesses, people who are turned on to the Lord, that allowing the Holy Spirit to give guidance, direction to their lives, and they're making Christ known to the whole world. Light, light shining through the darkness that's bringing light to the entire world. That you may have fellowship with us, and truly fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. Did you say Christ? Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. And He says, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full, that you may be full of joy, fulfilled. There's no greater joy than this. There's no greater joy than this. Let me tell you something. 
you see. If you don't think there's joy in this, then don't go to heaven. Don't go to heaven. Because what he's going to do, he's going to, he's going to give you more of the joy or in a greater measure of the joy that you would have experienced on the earth if you had allowed his spirit to work on you on the earth. Because now you're going to see him as he is. But if you're not seeing him as he is through the glass darkly, then can you really handle the light of his glory when he shines in all of his glory? But right now, what are we saying? Lord, I see you to lead me, to want to make you known to the world. I, 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 let me tell you, you, you say, well, what are we doing now? What are we doing in order to make him known? I, I, I'm trying to get as many pastors as I possibly can. I'm talking about leaders and leadership. I realize my call is to leaders and leadership and, and, and to this congregation foremost, but then to leaders and leadership. So, so I'm trying to get pastors. I said, look, look at the divide. Look at the thing that's causing us to fall out, the things that's causing all these, these splinter groups to break out and, and this confusion, the cry that's taking place within the world. What are they really crying out? What answer are we providing for the world? What answers are we providing for the world? Are we reactionaries or are we really those who are actually proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So I got meeting tomorrow with pastors and, 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 and with a pastor, but I'm trying to meet with leaders and pastors, and, and, and I'm trying to convey this and say, look, look at this divide, black and white, and uh, I would say this is the most divided time we've lived in in our lifetime when it comes to racial divides, and, 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 and there's a whole, I got a whole message on this whole thing of Nubian, Nubianism and, and, and all this, the black man is... Uh, greater than, and the white man is the devil, and all this other kind of stuff. You see, all of these things are being spread and widespread, but it's really a cry. It's really a cry of the heart. These divisions, we have to read them through the lenses of prophecy and, and look at what God is up to. The world is crying out for answers. The world is crying. And, and then there are those that supposed to represent Christ. They're giving them uh, placebos, Many are giving placebos. When you don't give the gospel, that's a placebo. Uh, the answer uh, to, to, to this is to do this and do that and do the other. Let's give them something to, to get the people satisfied or get them pacified. Get them not satisfied, pacified. When you're pacifying the masses, then that's a placebo. The only thing that's going to work is the gospel. The only thing is the unadulterated gospel, but then God has to revealed to us who Jesus Christ is, personified, personification of Christ, so that the Spirit of Christ can work through us. So understand what you're part of, those that can hear and those that can understand and those that are willing to participate. You see, this is the assignment God has given us is to be a part of something greater than ourselves. Don't wait until you comprehend it. But you need to be about it now. Your, 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 your world needs it. Your world, the people that you run into from a day-to-day -day basis, they need what you would be able to offer them. 
of what you could offer them if you only knew it. How much light God is causing to shine. When we come to understand the Spirit of Christ, which Jesus Christ now, which now resides within us, within our hearts. And when that Spirit is shed abroad in our hearts by way of the Holy Spirit, the kind of impact that light will make in a darkened world. So, Father, thank you so much that uh, you're helping us to see this. Even those that want to see it, those that desire to know, are being brought to the place of knowing. But, Lord, I pray that you'll whet the appetites of all. And, Lord, may we not allow discouragement to set in because we realize that in this darkened hour, as it was in the day of Christ, there are more that would reject him than accept and receive him. But you said, but as many as receive him, they receive power. So, Lord, we believe the same for us today, that as many as would receive the truth, that they would be empowered, we would be empowered to be sons, mature ones, the ones that you'll make a distinction in regards to, that you will show even the difference between light and darkness, because in this you will divide the light from darkness, so that light looks like light, and darkness look like darkness, day being day and night being night. So in this, we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.